This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We're online again, just here in the beauty of nature. We had quite a intense rainy week here in the Cape, but uh, the Lord is good because, you know, rain is a blessing from Him. But, you know, the Word of God says that His Word will not return void. It will be like rain that comes down on us, you know, because His thoughts and His ways are higher. And so we're talking these past couple of weeks of, on God encounters, you know, people in the Bible that had an encounter with the Lord. And you know what? There's not really one that uh, we can see in the Bible that didn't really meet with the Lord or experience the presence of the Lord or saw an angel. There's a supernatural and the supernatural should be the normal in all of our lives as Christians. You know, sometimes we just become unbelieving believers and the Lord is challenging us to say, hey, do you want me to awaken you? Do you want to be the church that are ready for the coming of Christ? You know, sometimes like the two guys on the road to Emmaus, you know, they they were so trapped in what they believed and what they saw because Jesus just died and they couldn't see. It was literally their, their spiritual eyes were not open. Their expectations was wrong. They were judging everything in the natural. And so maybe we're at that time again, you know, where the church should say, Lord, open up our eyes to see who you really are. We sing that song, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. So let me pray for us as we dig into another person and a group of people that had an encounter with Christ. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for our inheritance, that we are children of God, but there's also a spiritual inheritance. We're not slaves. We're not slaves to Corona. We're not slaves to the fear of this world. Lord, we thank you as we are the church and we can be the church that you raise us up, Lord, to be a bold, confident generation in the righteousness of Christ. Lord, thank you for your word that is going forth Thank you that you're healing people, that you're delivering people, that you're setting the captives free in this time. And also in our time together, Lord, let your word penetrate our hearts. Thank you for good ground for our hearts to receive your imprinted word, Lord, and your, the seed inside of us. Lord, come and glorify yourself. Holy Spirit, open up our eyes to see who Jesus really is. Amen. You know, the church in the Middle East, they... We'll always talk about the one who has fire in his eyes. The one who has fire in his eyes. You know, we can look to God's hands. We can look to his feet. We can look at a lot of, lot of things. But Revelation talks about it. When you look in his eyes, there's something that happens when we see who Christ really is. You know, I want to jump into Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 5. A story we all know. Jesus and the disciples went onto the waves, into the sea. It wasn't a massive sea. If you go to Israel today, I've been there two or three times. You know, it's very small. It's like a big dam. You know, it's not a massive sea. But for a storm like this to arise on a dam area like that, that's already supernatural, maybe even demonic. And so we know that Jesus was in the boat with them. I'm not going to read all of that, but I'm going to catch up to the end. When the disciples wake him up and say, Jesus, something is wrong. You know, why are you asleep? In verse 39 of Mark chapter 4. Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, so he rebukes the wind. Peace, he says, shalom, peace. Isn't that amazing when we can speak that over our nations, over our family, 
over our lives at this moment. Peace, be still. Some of us must say that to our minds and our emotions. Be still and know that He is God. Peace, be still. In the wind season, there was great calm. But He said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Maybe God will ask us the same questions. Do you know the one thing Jesus challenged the disciples on more than anything? He says, why have you got so little faith? Why are you so fearful? You know, the perfect love cast out every fear. So we don't pray for more faith in that area. We pray, say, Father, let me know your love. Let me know who you are in this time. Then the fear will go. But then God replaces it with faith. So the opposite of fear is not faith. The opposite of fear is love. But the replacement is what God begins to do. He says he places faith inside of us. So we should pray, say, Lord, give us faith as the church. Raise up the laborers. Give us boldness and confidence in this time. Because you can just imagine the disciples here, you know, very fearful, thinking they're going to die, you know, thinking Jesus is really is going to die with them because they look to Jesus as just a natural person in that boat. He says, but why is your faith so small? That's maybe a question. Why is your faith? Why is my faith so small? When we live in an unbelieving environment, you know, so many people, are so afraid of corona so many people are so afraid of losing their jobs many people are just withdrawing but this is not the time to withdraw as the church so in verse 41 and they feared exceedingly and said to one another who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him isn't that amazing the god we serve the wind and the sea obey him nature obeys god when he speaks just imagine being on that sea, yeah? I've been on the boat once. It wasn't a good experience. I lost my breakfast. I lost my lunch. I was feeding the, the fish. It was not a good, you know, I, I felt like, Jesus, you shouldn't just now walk on the sea and calm the sea. There's a, you know, I'm trying to calm the sea just by everything that goes out, you know? But we had a bit of a storm. And the reason for that was just like the wind just picked up, you know? But it's amazing when things are unstable like that on that boat, you know? And they say when, when you don't want, you don't need to get seasick by actually not looking at the sea or going up and down. You have to look to the place. You look to the hills or the mountain or the seashore. Try and fix your eyes. Have a fixed position that you fix on your eyes on. And then you'll be stable, you know. Um, it's almost like when you go around the same, you know, when you go around, try to fix on one area. If you just twirl around and around, just always don't go because then you're going to lose your balance and you, you're going to get nauseous. So, so what's the point there? You have to fix your eyes on something. Let that eyes be fixed on Jesus. So these disciples ask like, now who is this guy? You know, who can this be? So they're marveling at who Christ is. Now we get into the story in Mark chapter 5. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when they had come out of the boat, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Verse 6 of Mark chapter 5. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Implore you by God that you do not torment me. So these are the spirits speaking inside of him. So what's happening here? They've just gone with this wild storm. 
Now they're going to the other side. Now you need to know this, that the disciples have never been to the other side. They just heard rumors, cultural stuff. So they are now completely out of their comfort zone. They heard these men cry out from the, uh, you know, because that was the Gadarenes. They were like the cuckoo people. And so, so now they're already, they just see the storm and now they're getting Jesus taking them completely across the cultural lines, across everything else. He's taking them on a mission. They just asked like, who is this man? Who can this be that the wind and the sea obey him? And now comes a half naked man running down, falling down before him and spirits inside of him answers the question that they've been asking. Who is this man? And they say the following, they say, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? What have we got to do with you? So there were a legion of demons inside of this man. But they say, what have we got to do you, son of the most high God? Isn't that amazing? Nature obeys who Jesus is. The demons speaks who Jesus is. But what are we saying as the church? Yeah, no, 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 he's not really involved in this time. He's not really working, you know. Look at our economy. Look at what's happening in the world. The world is taking, has been taken over by fear, all of that stuff. How big is God in this time? Yeah, and even when you go through shaking, even when you go out of your comfort zone, doesn't matter where you go, Jesus is on a mission. And we need to ask, are we willing to follow him? Are we willing to say, yes, Lord, let your kingdom come in this time? Because if you're not going to open up your eyes to look where he's going, you're going to get into the things of the world and you're going to, the people are going to start to determine who you are, what you should do, how you should respond. And many of the church is drawing back at this moment because of fear, real, real intense fear. But he is still son of the most high God. He's Jesus, son of the most high God. Jesus, Son of the Most High God. You know, many times there were these questions. You know, at a stage, Peter, Jesus asked Peter, says, who do you say that I am? Well, first he says, who do the people say I am? And then he said, well, they say you're Elijah, you're a prophet, you're John the Baptist. And then Jesus turns around and says, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Isn't that amazing? You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And Jesus said to him, well done, Peter. Because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He actually calls him Simon by his natural name, not by his spiritual name, Peter. He says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And therefore, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. God wants to give us keys of the kingdom of heaven. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Wow. And whatever you bind, whatever you lose, that will happen. Isn't that amazing? There's some people, some Christians, picking up the keys of the kingdom. There are keys. What do keys symbolize? Keys symbolize doors that are closed that need to be unlocked so that you can walk through them and you can take other people through that. You know? So if you confess who Christ is and you know who he is because it's by divine revelation. Remember, God encounters is about revelation. It's not about information. It's not about experiences. It's about a revelation of who Jesus is. And the moment when that begins to happen, with the revelation of who he is, he places keys in your hand. He says, okay, there's keys for your family. There's keys for your neighborhood. There's keys for your town that you live in, for the nation that you live in. But as Christians, we need to pick up those spiritual keys so that we can open doors for generations that will come through. And this is so beautiful. He ran to him. He says, hey, you know, you are the son of the most high God. Then Jesus cast out the demon. 
you know, the demons begged him to go into the swine. He cast them into the swine. And then verse 15. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed. So now this what happens is they realize like, wow, the people of that whole area. Yeah. Been, this man has been demon possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon possessed and about the swine. And then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him. Verse 19. However, Jesus did not permit him, but he said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Yeah. So here, the disciples, they freaked out. The man just got delivered from a couple of thousand of demons. He's in his sound mind. The pigs, you know, they ran off the cliff. You know, there was Speckenham and Renown gone. You know, all the bacon gone. Woof, down the cliff. But here comes the man. And now the group, the whole place, the town comes out and says, like, we, we, don't, we don't want this Jesus around here. You, you're just causing too much friction and too, there's too many things here that we don't understand. But see, when you have an encounter with God, you don't just pray for healing. You don't just pray for deliverance. Jesus is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the savior. That's what he will do. If you worship Jesus, do you know what? He will save. He will heal. He will deliver. You know, some people pray and say, oh Lord, please be with us. Please be with me as I go into my workspace. Please be with me as I become a teacher. No, God says he is already with you. God cannot answer prayers like that because he says, no, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. But here, the challenge is even for this man that got his healing and that got his deliverance. Supernatural. The Bible says he was in a sound mind. Isn't that beautiful? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Just a sound mind. So these guys come and now, you know, now the persecution comes. He says, no, get out of this place. We don't want you to be here. Because you know, but people will either love Jesus or hate him. There's no in between. Don't think that Jesus is a nice, we can't do a branded Jesus. We can't do a PR Jesus that makes us feel good, you know, that the world will love. The world hates Jesus. The Christians love Jesus, but there's no in between. And if you become a real Christian, you are going to get enemies. If you have no enemies for the sake of the gospel, you're in trouble because you're not representing Jesus well. Oh, that's a bit harsh, but that's the truth. And so this man just got his healing. You can, you can almost think like everybody would sit down and say like, wow, we're so glad for you. We know how you were living in the tombs most of your life. This is such great. Let's just come together. Let's celebrate it. No, 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 no. They just want to persecute Jesus, you know? And now the man says like, oh, I'm going to go into my comfort zone. I'm going to get back into the boat with him. Jesus says, no, 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 you can't come with me because you have a job to do here. You go and tell your whole family. You go and tell that community of how I've had compassion on you. And then we see this beautiful testimony of how this guy goes and the whole of the area marvels because they think like, wow. You see, people can deny Jesus, but they cannot deny the testimony of that encounter that you've had with him. Your testimony. People can deny the Bible. But they cannot deny you. They cannot deny the Bible that lives inside of you. You know, we went to China a couple of years ago and I was just amazed because we came to this place, a really persecuted place. And then the guy would say, oh, I'm John. And this guy would say, I'm 
I'm Peter. You know, one guy actually says, I'm first Peter. I thought like, whoa, first Peter, what's that, you know? Then I realized these guys were to preserve the Bible, memorize books of the Bible, and they gave themselves the names of the books that they memorized. So from Matthew 1 verse 1 till the end, not just of the chapter, but the whole book. So Matthew would start to live Matthew, and Luke start to live Luke, and John starts to live John. I didn't meet Lamentations or Ecclesiastes. That would have probably been difficult, or Proverbs, yeah, or Song of Solomons. Some people would like that. But so, no, these people not just quoted Scripture, but they lived Scripture and memorized every book to preserve the Gospel. You see, if your faith doesn't cost you something, it means nothing. Yeah? And so, the challenge for us in this time is don't just seek the miracle or the healing or the supernatural. Seek God. Seek an encounter with Him. That's what we're talking about. But that encounter will change you. You will receive your healing. You'll receive your deliverance, whatever you need from the Lord. But Jesus said, hey, to the woman at the well, you will, your thirst will be quenched, but that water that I'm going to give you, you will never thirst again. But it doesn't just stop there. It says that water will become in you a fountain that springs up into everlasting life. Not just will the water quench your thirst, but you're supposed to become a fountain so that everyone else will come out to drink of the living waters. And see, it is not time for the church to be silent. It's not for, uh, time for us to hide and think, oh, you know, live every day. As if it's your last. Live every day in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Live every day. Because this guy had to, he just had one encounter with Jesus. And I can just imagine how many years he was just testifying of that one encounter. His doctrine wasn't probably right. He didn't know. I, I just wondered what happened to him. But the whole region, their lives changed because of the testimony of an encounter with Christ. Because all of them knew this man was demon possessed. All of them knew of the legion and, and how he would break the chains just of supernatural strength over his life. But you know what? That same Jesus. I asked the question, how big is that Jesus in your life? How big is he in my, my life? What have we got to do with you? Son of the Most High God. You know, start praying in your neighborhood. Prayer is the detonator for the bomb, for the power of God. You know? Evangelism without prayer, Reinhard Bunker said it, it's like a bomb without a detonator. You need to start praying. I need to start praying. We need to seek the face of God. But I'm so excited because we're going to begin to experience in this dark time where many are fearful, we're going to begin to experience a group of people that says, I have faith in Christ. I don't have little faith. I have faith in the one who can calm the storm. I have faith in the one who can cast out the demon, who can change the whole nation. I have faith in the one who gave me water. But more than that, that water became a fountain of life for my whole community. It's time for the church to arise. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be strong. I want to encourage you to ask bold prayers and have bold faith in Christ. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, we grow up where we get taught, oh, be secure, invest more, do this more. Be safe, be safe, be safe. Jesus doesn't say like, hey, safety, security. We're in Christ, we're secure. <laughs> that's where our identity lies. In Christ, we're sons and daughters of God. So that's my challenge. Church, let's arise. Arise and shine.
for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though deep darkness may cover the earth, the Lord's glory and light will shine over you. Isn't that amazing about light? We run to the light when we're in darkness because it shows us where to go. That's the word of God. Let's write it on our hearts. Let's seek the face of God in this time. I want to pray for you for an encounter with Jesus himself. You know, that's what changes us. Not our fancy doctrines, not our events by going to church, not our jumping up and down in nice worship or nice sermons, nice things. It's not time to be nice. It's time to be godly and to be Christian, to share our testimony with the world. So Father, I want to thank you for your encounter with us. Thank you for a boldness for your church to ask bold things, Lord. Give us the nations as our inheritance. Lord, where the nations are, are in fear, Lord, there's so many negative things happening, but Lord, let your church arise. We want to arise, Lord. We want to say, yes, Lord, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. We want to confess that you are the son of the most high God. Lord, if the demons know it, we know it more. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. That's what we confess today, Lord. You are great. You're almighty and you're all powerful. You're all omniscient, Lord. And we want to submit to your ways and your thoughts that are higher than ours. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great week and let's follow him boldly in this coming week. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.